I want to again um, repeat the announcement that we have healing ministry right out in the back after church. We've seen many miracles, including cancers healed. We had someone came to us about two weeks ago that said she had a miraculous healing in her stomach. So I really want to emphasize that. If you need a miracle in your body, or maybe you want to stand in for someone else that, you, that that's sick, someone in your family, we want to recommend that you come. Or if you need inner healing, emotional healing, you're, you're dealing with depression, or you're feeling overwhelmed, there's a sign-up sheet that's also going to be out in the lobby. So right after church, you can sign up. Um, Miguel back there, he heads up the healing ministry. And I was just talking to Miguel this morning. Merck, for those of you who don't know. And he asked me a question. He said, is it a, is it a sin to, to believe that I'm the best looking man in Sanctuary Fellowship? I said... Miguel, that's not a sin. That's a mistake. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm in Genesis chapter 37. Alice was waiting for another one. Well, I was sharing with the healing ministry a few weeks ago that I met someone here in the church. You're going to be disappointed, Alice, but... but um. I met someone in the church, um, a young girl came in, and I said, are you here alone? She said, no. She, I said, who are you? She said, that her father is a magician who saws people in half. I said, well, who are you here with? She said, I'm here with my two half-brothers. <laughs> that wasn't as good. As, that didn't rate, right, like with the other ones? Maybe. Okay, I better get into the... Uh. You see, Miguel was telling me that he was praying for somebody with a glass eye. I said, how do you know she had a glass eye? He said, it came out in the conversation. <laughs> oh, wow, it's going down. Forget it. I should have quit while I was ahead. But anyway, Genesis 37... We're moving ahead, going through the book of Genesis. And the last month, a few months, the emphasis has been on Jacob. But now we're going to switch and the, um, the Bible is going to begin to focus on the life of Joseph, who was one of Jacob's sons. So I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, or some translation says a robe of many colors, 
or it could be an ornamented robe or a robe with long sleeves. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. How many of you have a feeling this chapter is not going to end too well? Here you have a son where all the father loves him more than anyone else. But he's the one that he gave this special robe that shows the, the father's special love, the special favor. And even more than that, he wore the special robe. And you know what that showed? That he was the one that didn't have to go to work. He was the one that would stay home while all the other brothers were out working. So here you have, again, this dysfunctional family where the love is going more to one person than the other one because one of the reasons was because the father loved this boy's mother more than he loved the other mother's. Does any of this start to sound familiar? You see, we have to be careful, especially in these days of what are called blended families, where we have so many families where there are different parents represented, where, where, where there's a children from different parents, different mothers or different fathers living in the same family, it's very important not to show favoritism. It's very important not to dislike a child that lives in your home because you don't like the child's mother. So it, it's important to treat all the children equally. Because this is going to lead to trouble. Verse 5, it's going to get worse now. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams. See, Joseph had a dream. And again, back back then, everybody was a farmer, so that's the way that God spoke to people. And Joseph had a dream that he was with his brothers and the mother and the father and that they all had bundles of wheat and that the bundles of of the rest of his family bowed down to his bundle of wheat, which symbolically means that one day Joseph would be greater than anyone else in his family, that they would bow down to him, that he would have greater authority. And then he had another dream about the stars and the moon and the sun, that, that 11 stars and the, mon, the, sun, the sun and the moon bowed down to his star, showing that one day again God was repeating that he would be a man of great authority, great power. But how many of you know that you don't have to share everything that, that's in your heart? That's going to get you in trouble. You know what the Bible says? 
don't cast your pearls before swine because they're going to trample on it. Be careful who you share the deep things of your heart with. See, here in this church, we believe in being real. We believe in being transparent. But I don't just go up to anyone and just begin to share everything that God's placed in me. Begin to share the tenderness of my emotions. To begin just to share my dreams with everyone. Because even in church, forget about in the world, you can always run into the wrong person who's going to start to trample and say, you're being unrealistic, that'll never happen. Why don't you just forget about it? Why don't you give up? You'll never make it going back to school. You'll never have a business. You'll never get married. You see, when you lay your heart out there, be careful. I, I believe that there's wisdom to go to those who, people who you find trustworthy. There, there are a lot of safe people you can go to. I cringe every time I look on Facebook and someone begins to write about the deep things of their heart. They begin to share their hurts and their emotions. And then you start to read comments, beating them up and criticizing them. Please don't do that. Everything to you that's that's a treasure in your life. Every dream God's given you. The, the depth of your hurt and your pain. Look, look for those who, who are faithful. Those who are not going to go spreading gossip about you. See, this, this is one of the things that got Joseph in trouble. He went with the dreams that God gave him and began to share them with people that made them jealous and hate him. Share your dreams, share your passions with those people who are on your side. Those people who it would be the delight of their heart to see you excel and succeed in life. See, I believe that God speaks through dreams. And we want to give you the opportunity beside the healing ministry after church we're going to be back there, and anyone who, if you have dreams, that I'm talking, not dreams that, you know, dreams of expectations in your life, but dreams that you got while you were sleeping, and you have dreams you don't understand, we'll be back there to interpret them also after church, along with the healing ministry. And then next in the story, Joseph's brothers were gone for a long time. So Jacob sent Joseph out to check on them. He, he sent Joseph out to look for them. So now I'm going to skip down to verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, which was an empty hole in the ground. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. See, now his brothers were plotting to kill him. They began to hate him. People in his own family... Verse 23, so when Joseph arrived, his, his, 
His brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern or the hole. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and rosin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? His blood would just give us a guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So not only did his brothers hate him, they were out to kill him. And they took that beautiful robe showing the father's love and favor. They took it off him and they threw him in a hole in the ground to kill him. And then they decided that they were just such nice people that they couldn't go that far. They said, we'll just sell him into slavery. And a, and a bunch of Arabian slave traders came by and they sold their own brother. And off he went. You see, and if we stop the story here, if this was, if this was it, if this was the end, Joseph would be in trouble. But I'm going to give you a glimpse into what's coming. God is going to be with Joseph. His hand of protection will be upon Joseph. And every dream that God gave him came true. That as the years go by, went by, Joseph became a man of great authority in Egypt. He became greater than his brothers. And one day, his whole family came and bowed down before him, just like the dream said. You see, when we look at a story, we can't look at it in the middle and give up and begin to despair. We've got to take a look and look ahead and see what God's going to do. Then you know what the brothers did? They took, a, they took the coat and they took a goat and they took the blood of the goat and they poured it over the coat. They went back to Jacob the father and said, look, your son was killed. And here's the evidence. Here's his blood on the coat. They deceived Jacob. Doesn't that sound familiar from a few weeks ago? Remember the story about how Jacob had deceived his father? And now Jacob's sons were deceiving him. You would have thought that Jacob would have learned a lesson because his father Isaac in Genesis 25, it said that, that Isaac loved Esau, Jacob's brother, more than he loved Jacob. Wouldn't you think that Jacob would have learned a lesson? And said, well, well, I'm not going to raise my children this way. And he raised his children the same way. See, there's a lesson in that. 
a lot of people tell me, well, this is, this is the way I was raised and this is the way I'm going to do it. We don't do everything the way we were raised. We look into the Word of God. We look at what's right. We treat our family. You treat your children. You treat people, not according to how you grew up, but what does the Lord say? We want to break those lines of curses, those lines of sin that are passed down through generations. And just as Jacob deceived his father, now his children deceived him. You see, that saying is true. What goes around comes around. The Bible says your sin will find you out. The Bible says God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Whatever you give in life, that's what you're going to get back. The one thing I found, that for every bully out there, there's always somebody bigger that one day down the road they're going to run into. There's always someone tougher. Whatever you put out in life, that's what you're going to receive back. That's why the Bible says to give love, to give, to pour out love, and, and that's what you're going to receive back. I don't want to be like Jacob, being a deceptive person and get, thinking that I'm getting away with something. God, With God, you're not going to get away with anything. It's going to come back and bite you. But see, this, this story is much more than, than just about Jacob's family. Because this story in the Bible, it paints a picture for us. You see, Joseph, his life is almost a mirror image, almost paints a perfect picture of the life of Jesus, who would come many years later. As a fancy word, Joseph is what was called a type. He was a picture. He, if you look at Joseph's life, it was a reflection of the Messiah, the Savior who was going to come. Because just as Joseph was loved by his father with a special love, Jesus was loved by God the Father with a special love. And just as Joseph was hated by his brothers, Jesus was hated by many of his brothers, and they, his brothers mocked Joseph. And it was the same thing with Jesus. Just as they took the robe off of Joseph, they took the robe off of Jesus. The Bible says they stripped him. You see, that's what Jesus did to you. And do you know what? It pleased him to do it. The Bible says in Colossians that he thought it not robbery to do it. In other words, he was willing to pay the cost. He was willing to go through that so that he could pay the price for your sins. See, he was the beloved son just like Jacob, but he wasn't received But. But just like with Joseph, 
That was not the end of the story. Because in the life of Jesus, not only was, was he beaten and mocked and crucified, but he rose again and he became that righteous ruler. He became the savior, the deliverer. And it was the same thing like with Joseph. He, would, he had dreams that one day he'd be, he'd be a ruler, the deliverer of his family. And not only did Jacob, Joseph's dreams come true, but Jesus, he rose from the dead and became King of kings and Lord of lords. But see, we can go beyond the picture of Jesus because Joseph is also a picture of you as a child of God, as a son or a daughter of the living God. Because just like Joseph, you are loved by the Father. You have the favor of God the Father on your life. That robe that Joseph wore, showing the world the Father loves me. Every one of you carries that robe. The Bible says that you are clothed in robes of righteousness. That you, every one of you are God's favorites. You are His children, His sons and daughters. No wonder people mock you. No wonder people try to hurt you. Don't be surprised at the things that you go through, the trials, the difficulties. Jesus said that if they hated me, they'll hate you too. But it doesn't matter who hates you. There are a lot of haters out there. They want to ruin your reputation. They want to trash you. Some of you, you've been betrayed. You've got knives in your back. People have made promises to you and walked out on you. And you know, if we leave the story of your life right where it is, it's going to be bad for some of us. If you come today and we ask you to testify and come up here and and say, here's the story of my life for some of you, you'll, you'll have everybody weeping and crying. We have represented here people who have been betrayed by members of your own family. You have spouses that have walked out on you. Many of you, you've suffered abuse. Many of you going through right now financial difficulty, angry, unjust situations in your job. And if we leave the story there, we're in trouble. But I want to give you a fancy word right now. We try to stay away from those big theological words. We call them Christianese because no one understands them except the big Bible scholars. But there's a word called the providence of God. And that word, the providence of God, it talks about God's unseen hand. You see, even when you don't see Him in your situation, He's working. He's helping you. He's putting things together. 
You see, Joseph, there he was. He was thrown in the pit. He was forsaken. He was left. And he was carried off to be a slave. And many years later, Joseph stood before his brothers and he said, What you meant for bad, what you meant to harm me, what you meant to destroy my life, God has meant for good. Because God took those circumstances. He took Joseph's situation and he used it to Joseph's advantage. Do you think your boss at work who tramples all over you? He's just pushing you into a new level of promotion. Those members of your own family who come against you, they torment you. God's going to use all that to turn it all around because Romans chapter 8, it says God, He works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Whatever comes your way, whatever happens, whoever thinks they got the upper hand, somebody said, now I got you down. They don't see the unseen hand of God, the providence of God. He's writing your story. God is in control. Man has no authority over your life. You see, we got to wait to the end of the story for you. Don't just come and tell me all the hard stuff you're going through. You need to change the way you talk, and so do I. We need to begin to, we begin to decree and declare, I'm going through hell. But God is working. He's working for my good. He's on my side. God's favor is over my life. He's going to open the doors. It's not about who's kicking you down. Many of you right now, you're being trampled. It feels like all of hell is coming against you. And God's going to use that situation like He did with Joseph. He's going he's gonna to use the things that people try to harm you. I, I remember I was working in this one job and I hated it. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of you, right? <laughs> but there was just so much trouble with the teachers. I, I was a teacher back then. And there's always an assistant teacher who thinks they know better and a principal that wants it all trying to oppress you. Sorry to any principal sitting up. <laughs> I used to know two teachers. One had no principal and one had no class. And I said, I, I, I wasn't even a Christian yet. And I wanted to hold on to that job. I was going to prevail. Until finally I said, that's it. I can't take anymore. These people win. They drove me out. And I went from there to a job making much more money. The job where I would receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. See, those, that, 
those assistant teachers and that principal, they thought they prevailed over my life. They said, well, we got that guy now. They didn't know. They pushed me out into my destiny. And that's why I can be here today. I, I just want you to hear a testimony. I had asked Mark, Pastor Mark to come. And he has an example of just what I'm speaking about. Amen, amen. If those of you that I asked can help me out. I got a, I got a, a testimony and it fits perfect uh, for, for what's happening. My wife and I, we made 10 years this weekend. Okay? 10 years. Okay? And everything is awesome now. Everything is awesome. Our marriage is awesome. We, we, we're not the perfect of people, but we love each other and, and we got healthy, uh, healthy kids and we got a healthy marriage. Amen? Okay. But it wasn't always like that. Okay? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't always like that. Uh, um, I, I mean, I think for the first five years, we were miserable. We were miserable. I'm telling you, we were married together. We loved each other. We were, you know, good friends. But we would do everything we can not to go home, you know, keep ourselves busy. And, and when we had two kids, and, and, and how many of you know when, when you're miserable, not one or two, when it rains, it pours, everything falls apart. Everything seems like it, it just is coming down. And, 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 and if we just... If I look back and if we just stood at that, that, that mess where we, we were in and how were we feeling? If we didn't stick it through like Joseph did, we would not be where we are right now. Living an awesome marriage in ministry together. Getting along, communicating. Even when we disagree, we're still not fighting to like tear each other's heads off like we were. Amen? Amen? See, see... I believe the enemy had a plan to interrupt what God had in store. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys, you guys, you guys get me? So the testimony is 10 years and, and, and I'm still madly in love with her. And she's madly in love with me. And it's almost like we're, you know, we, we, we just came from a marriage retreat this past weekend. So happens to be our anniversary. And we got back this morning. And I'm like, I feel like I just came back from my honeymoon. Amen? So since you guys are like our family, in front of all of you, Melissa. I don't have the money. I don't have the voice. I don't have the looks. But I have the godly passion and the love. And after 10 years, I got one question for you. Will you marry me all over again? Pastor, come bring me my wife.
Mark and Melissa, they chosen today to renew the vows that they made 10 years ago. See, we come here today to celebrate the decision they made to share their love by joining in marriage. Mark and Melissa, when you first joined hands and hearts 10 years ago, you did not know where life would take you. Marriage is a precious gift, a lifelong dedication to love, and a daily challenge to love one another more fully and more freely. You promise to love, honor, and cherish one another through all things. Life has brought you many wonderful blessings and difficult tribulations, and you have fulfilled that promise over these ten years. We're going to do the renewal of vows right now. Mark, if you wish to reaffirm your love for Melissa, then look into her eyes and repeat after me. I, Mark, choose you again, Melissa, to be my partner for the rest of our lives. Together, we will continue to make our way through joys and sorrows, knowing we are stronger together than we ever were apart. You are God's gift to me, my priceless treasure, my blessing for what for life. I chose to be with you 10 years ago and I now choose to be with you as we grow older. I believe in this marriage more strongly than ever. Melissa, it is with joy, born of experience and trust, that I commit myself once again to be your husband until death separates us my love I choose you I have lived with you in marriage for these past 10 years and with joy I vow to you that for the rest of my life I will be your faithful and loving husband. Melissa, if you wish to reaffirm your love for Mark, then look into his eyes and repeat after me. I, Melissa, choose you again, Mark. To be my partner for the rest of our lives. Together, we will continue to make our way through joys and sorrows, knowing that we are stronger together than we ever were apart. You are God's gift to me, my priceless treasure, my blessing for life. I chose to be with you 10 years ago 
And I now choose to be with you. As we grow older, I believe in this marriage more strongly than ever. Mark, it is with joy, born of experience and trust, that I commit myself once again to be your wife until death separates us. My love, I choose you. I have lived with you in marriage for these past ten years. And with joy, I vow to you that for the rest of my life, I will be your faithful and loving wife. You're getting ahead of yourself here. No kissing until the right time. With this understanding, do you, Mark, continue to take Melissa as your beloved wife? Will you continue to be a tender, faithful husband? Will you continue to love and cherish her in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, and keep yourself only unto her? If so, answer, I will. With this understanding, do you, Melissa, continue to take Mark as your beloved husband? Will you continue to be a tender, faithful wife? Will you continue to love and cherish him in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, and keep yourself only unto him? If so, answer, I will. Mark and Melissa, having witnessed your vows of affirmation with all who are assembled here, I do affirm that you have expressed your desire to continue your journey as husband and wife. You may seal your vows and confirm your continued commitment and love each other with a kiss. You see, as they said, if you would have seen their story just a few years ago, you might have thought they were like Joseph in the pit. It was all over. This wasn't going to come to a good end. This ain't looking good. But the invisible hand of God, the providence of God was working behind the scenes. 
and in every way that the enemy meant to destroy them. God used it for good. And they stand here today as an example to everyone of what a marriage should look like. A loving, faithful, happy marriage. Maybe that's not your story today, but it's going to be. Maybe you're not at the place that... Maybe you've had dreams like Joseph. You have desires in your heart of great things. And you've been betrayed. You've been wounded and hurt. But there's a Father that loves you up in heaven. And He's taken the coat of favor, a coat of many colors. And every one of you are wearing that coat today. When you walk out of here, you don't walk around like this, bent over and depressed. You walk with your head held high. You go to people, you look them right in the eyes. Because there's nobody better than you. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. And He'll move all heaven and earth for His promises to come true in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And the worship team is going to minister a song right now about the love of God over you. I want you to receive it. You are not who the devil says you are. You're not what your ex-boyfriend told you. Stand up with your royal robe. You are royalty today. I can't wait to see the end of the stories in your life. Every one of you is going to come up here with that testimony. 